Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the podcast. And today, I'm going to do my review of AEW's Dynamite. Uh, starting off the evening, we had our first match of the night. It is John Moxley versus Dax Hardwood. I thought this was a great match, man. Start Dynamite last night. Back and forth matchup between Moxley and, and Dax Hardwood. Moxley was keeping the pace of the match. Dax then hits a Liger Bomb on Mox for a near fall. Dax and Moxley then both exchange serious chops in the middle of the ring. Dax then hits a superplex off the top rope on Mox. Harwood then applies a sharpshooter on Moxley, but Moxley quickly breaks the hold. Dax then hits a power driver on Mox in the middle of the ring for a near fall. Moxley gets up, hits a face stomp on Dax Harwood. Moxley then hits a power driver of his own for a near fall on Dax Harwood. Harwood then gets up, hits a brain buster on Moxley for a near fall, but Moxley applies a submission hold on Dax Harwood. Dax taps out, and your winner of the match is John Moxley. After the match, Moxley pretty much won't let, won't let go of the submission hold. Cash Wheeler comes out to attack Moxley, and then Claudio comes out to attack Cash Wheeler. A couple of things I want to say about this match, man, specifically. Um, number one, big fan of both John Moxley and, obviously, FTR. FTR is a legendary tag team, especially within AEW and around the world, for that matter. Um, the other thing I'm going to talk about with this, honestly, is the CMLL situation. Now... It was announced before this match even took place that the Blackpool Combat Club will be at a CMLL event March 29th. I'm assuming to challenge some of the CMLL uh, superstars over in that promotion, which I'm all for that. But what I will say is it went from that to, okay, now John Moxley and Claudio are going to be beefing with FTR. And I think the reason for that is because FTR don't have a ma- doesn't have a match for Revolution. Neither does Moxley and Claudio, so... To me, it's like, all right, well, we went from this invasion angle kind of deal with CMLL attacking the Blackpool Combat Club to, okay, now those guys are going to take some time off and Blackpool Combat Club are not going to be fixated and focused on uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler from FTR. To me, it's just a lot of wishy-washy stuff right now, in my honest opinion, with this. And there's really no storyline around this matchup between possibly the Blackpool Combat Club and FTR possibly having a match at Revolution. To me, you know, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with the Blackpool Combat Club and the superstars over in CMLL. So, again, it's still up in the air, but I do see a match between FTR and the Blackpool Combat Club, possibly at Revolution. Uh, Moving on from that, we have Don Callis backstage with Renee. Uh, He's standing with Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs. You know, Renee does ask Don Callis what is next for Takeshita after he had beat Chris Jericho again. Um, And then Don Callis, you know, Pretty much dropped a bombshell announcement saying that Takeshita will challenge Will Ospreay at Revolution. Ospreay will be wrestling at the Revolution pay-per-view, which is absolutely awesome. This match right here between Takeshita and Ospreay, I feel like is going to be a sleeper match between you know all the other matches on that card, man. This match right here between Ospreay and Takeshita is going to be one hell of a match. Definitely excited to see that at Revolution. And again, excited to see Will Ospreay finally in the AEW ring as, you know, a contracted wrestler for AEW, and uh, being at Revolution, man, it's going to be awesome. Revolution's honestly, Revolution's looking like a stack pay-per-view coming up here in a few weeks, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night is Warlow versus Barrett Brown. This was a glorified squash match, again, for Wardlow. Uh, Warlow was keeping the pace throughout the the entire match, if you want to call it a match, with Warlow ultimately hitting a powerbomb. On Barrett Brown, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Wardlow. Uh, a couple of things I want to say about this matchup as well, man. Number one, uh, you know, I, I'm not understanding, 
you know, I, and I really thought about this for a while uh, when it literally pertains to Wardlow. And, you know, I've had my criticism on Wardlow for quite a while, um, ever since, you know, the whole match he had with MJF. And then, you know, after that, um, you know, AEW kind of dropped the ball big time with Wardlow. So, in my honest opinion, uh, to me, you know, I don't need to see Wardlow in these glorified squash matches, especially if you're going to build Wardlow up to be the next contender for the AEW World Championship. I need to see him against actual talent on the roster, not enhancement talent coming in to just fill the void and give Wardlow a match just to put him on, you know, AEW television. He needs to have top matches to qualify himself for a possible AEW World Championship opportunity. And I feel like with him just facing, you know, enhancement talent, it doesn't really do a whole lot for Wardlow. And not only that, the rankings in itself are flawed already. So, I mean, my thing is, Wardlow is a powerhouse. Not taking anything away from Wardlow in that aspect. He's a great athlete, great competitor. But at the end of the day, um, he needs to have actual competition. I'm tired of seeing Wardlow have these enhancement talent matches, these two-minute glorified squash matches just to hype up Wardlow and what he can do inside that ring. I need to see Wardlow being tested and challenged. Um, As far as, you know, having competition, I would like to see a match with him and Keith Lee once Keith Lee comes back from injury. I think that would be a great role for Keith Lee. Um, I know Keith Lee, before he got injured, he was supposed to have a really impromptu and important matchup with Swerve to kind of finish that uh, storyline between him and Swerve. But unfortunately, Lee got uh, injured before the pay-per-view matchup. And it's going to take some time off. So I, to me, I just think Wardlow needs more important talent, not you know this enhancement talent coming into AEW. He needs, you know, there needs to be some kind of importance around the storyline if Wardlow is actually going to be chasing after the AEW World Championship. Because if you keep giving him enhancement talent, then to me, it's just it's not going to make Wardlow look any stronger, or any better than what he is right now. And not a lot of people are going to be invested in what Wardlow is going to be doing for the foreseeable future if you're going to continuously keep giving him enhancement talent. And have these wins underneath his belt leading up to him having a championship opportunity when he's had all these enhancement talent matches where he goes in there for two minutes and squashes these people. He needs competition. And to me, you know, a great, like I said, a great person in mind for me that would be competition for Warlow would be Keith Lee once he does return. Uh, Or Miro, for that matter. I don't know what Miro's been doing. It seems like ever since Andrade had left Collision, uh, Miro's been pretty much sidelined now. So, I mean, again, Miro would be another uh, great matchup against Warlow. To really put you know a lot of pressure on Warlow and see if he can stack up against a guy like Miro or Keith Lee to move him up you know into the rankings for a possible title shot in the future. So again, hats off to Warlow for getting the win in the match, but he needs more competition and not enhancement talent. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It's a number one contender match for the TNT title. It is Adam Copeland versus Daniel Garcia. Um, I thought this was a very good matchup, man. Uh, back and forth matchup between Copeland and Garcia with Copeland. And Garcia both exchanging in the middle of the ring. Garcia was keeping the pace of the match. Adam and Garcia then both exchange again in the middle of the ring. Copeland applies a cross face. And then Nick Wayne gets involved. He attacks Copeland. Match ends at a disqualification. Nick and Killswitch attack Garcia. And then uh, Christian Cage ends up attacking Adam Copeland with a concerto. Pretty much sending a message to Adam Copeland. And it looks like we're going to have a rematch between Copeland and Christian for the TNT Championship. Possibly at Revolution. Um, if that does happen, I could see Adam Copeland going over and becoming the new TNT champion, uh, which I'll be all for that as well. Um, and hopefully he gets a little bit more spotlight on Collision, which I will talk about Collision towards the end of this podcast. Um, but again, match ends with a disqualification, so it 
to me, the storyline kind of fits between Copeland and Christian finishing this storyline at Revolution. Uh, moving on from that, we have a Samoa Joe segment. Joe comes down to the ring holding the AEW World Championship. Joe talks about Paige and Swerve's match they had, which ended in a draw. Joe then mocks Paige and Swerve. Swerve comes out to the ring with Prince Nana. Swerve then says he's becoming one of the greats in AEW and all professional wrestling. Swerve also talks about his legacy and that he's been on the road for 15 years and the matches that he's had with legends and future stars of this business. Swerve then talks about it being his time. He wants to be the World Heavyweight Champion, and this time is Swerve's time. After that, Paige is here. Paige says that the match that he had with Swerve ended in a draw, which allows Swerve to not for Swerve not to challenge the AEW World Championship because he did not beat Adam Page in that matchup. Like I said, Swerve, uh, Page says Swerve doesn't deserve a title shot. Joe then says, come revolution, he's leaving with the AEW World Championship. The one thing I'll say about this segment, man, especially this storyline here with this triple threat match, I'm all for it. I think it's going to be a great match. I think it's going to be a banger between all three of these guys. Um, and I'm big fans of all three. I think Adam Page, you know, again, one of those household names for AEW. Swerve has really come into his own. I got a lot of praise for Swerve and what he's done as of late and the matches that he's had as of late, especially the matches he's had with Adam Page, man, are brutal. Uh, Samoa Joe, again, <laughs> Joe is one of those guys, man, where you can't deny what he does in that ring. Samoa Joe is a ruthless wrestler, man. That guy is in there for no games. He's in there to literally destroy his opponent. And, uh, Honestly, man, this match can go any other way. Uh, to me, would I be mad if Swerve walked out as AEW World Champion? No, I would not be mad. I think there's a lot of steam right now behind Swerve. I think Swerve has a lot of potential. And uh, I would not be mad if Swerve walked out of Revolution as the AEW World Champion. Um, but I also would not be mad if Joe retains. I would. Um, to me, Joe retaining the belt, you know... I wouldn't be against it at all, especially it being, you know, what, his second title defense, I believe. Um, yeah, because his first title defense was against Hook, uh, which was a great match in itself. But I wouldn't be opposed if Samoa Joe walks out Revolution still AEW World Champion. I wouldn't. I mean, even Adam Page, man. Adam Page, the thing that gets me with Adam Page in this matchup is the fact that, you know, he says that Swerve didn't beat him in that match. They just had ended in a draw. But Page, when's the last time Page had beat Swerve? You know what I mean? Like, you can look at it from both sides of the fence and, and both sides of the coin right here, but at the same time, I mean, Swerve makes a point, too. You know, Adam Page hasn't beat Swerve. And the last match they had was a draw. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, and Swerve, to me, in the rankings, he was the number one contender for Samoa Joe. So Adam Page was really trying to, you know, push himself into this title match where, to me, it's you know, it is kind of laughable because Swerve, you know, he beat you twice. And brutal matches. You know, obviously the last match they just had was a draw. But, I mean, still, Swerve has those wins over Adam Page. So, to me, you know, yeah, it's a great triple threat match. But, I mean, I don't think really Adam Page has a whole lot to stand on when it pertains to this matchup with Samoa Joe, this triple threat match at Revolution. So, we're going to see what happens, man. It's going to be a great match. Definitely looking forward to it at Revolution. Uh, moving on from that, we have a timeless Tony Storm short film, which, to me, I'm a big fan of. They're absolutely hilarious. Tony talks about Perrazzo. She pokes fun at Perrazzo as well. But Tony also says that Perrazzo will get the old Tony Storm. And I'm definitely looking forward to that, man. And you know what? Speaking of Tony Storm, man, she has done some of the best work in her career being the timeless Tony Storm character, man. I am a huge fan of this character. I think what she's doing for the AW's women division is she's literally putting that division on her back. 
Um, this matchup between Storm and Peraza with Revolution is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, to me, honestly, I have nothing against Deanna Peraza, but to me, I'm going to have I'm going to have Tony Storm walk out with that belt. It's nothing against Peraza. I think Peraza is a, a great athlete, a great competitor, and a future world champion. I just don't think it's Peraza's time right now. In my honest opinion, right now, timeless Tony Storm and the run she's having right now, man, is just absolutely awesome. And like I said before many a times, man, this is some of the best work that Tony Storm has done in her career up to this point, man. It's absolutely awesome. The short films, the character, you know, being, you know, Tony Storm being surrounded by Mariah May and Luther. It just works, man. This, the, the character is absolutely awesome, and I look forward to this matchup between Tony Storm and Perrazzo. It's going to be one hell of a match. Uh, moving on from that, we have our next match of the night. It's pretty much a number one contendership match for the AW Tag Team Championships. It is the Young Bucks versus Top Flight. I thought this was a really decent matchup, man. Uh, back and forth matchup between the Bucks and Top Flight, with Top Flight keeping the pace of the match. Darius Martin hits a Spanish fly, but Matt Jackson hits a low blow on Darius with the referee being distracted, Young Bucks then hit a EVP trigger, pins for the three, and your winners of the match are the Young Bucks. After the match, Tony Schiavone gets in the ring to interview the Bucks. Matt says that they are now the number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Matt then mocks Tony Schiavone. Nick Jackson then gets in the face of Schiavone. Schiavone gets pushed to the ring Matt, Young Bucks then go to pick up Schiavone, but they go for an EVP trigger on Tony Schiavone. Darby, uh, Darby Allen's music hits. He comes down to the ring. He grabs the microphone. Darby says what happened to the original mission statement of AEW that Matt and Nick Jackson had when they created AEW about it, you know, being the alternative and a revolution. Darby also mentions the old EVP, which pretty much talks about Cody Rhodes when Cody Rhodes was in AEW. And then Darby and Darby says it will be Darby and Sting versus the Young Bucks at Revolution for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, a couple of things I want to say about this, man. Number one, the Young Bucks coming back to AEW in this new role, this heel role, man, is absolutely awesome. You know, coming down to the ring with the uh, blood-soaked suits that they had when they attacked Sting and Darby Allen to be a part of this matchup, man, it was absolutely awesome. It's a great storyline. <clears throat> one of the one of the only great storylines right now in AEW besides the AEW World Championship. Um, it was great, man. I, I think Tony, what Young Bucks are doing right now. Um, with this EVP, you know, gimmick and stuff like that, and you know, going as Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, it's just po to me, it's poking fun at people that were mocking the Young Bucks for quite a while, and I think you know they just stuck with it, and I think it's absolutely awesome, and I definitely look forward to this matchup and revolution between the Bucks and Darby, Darby Allen and Sting for the for the AEW Tag Team Championships. It's gonna be an absolutely awesome match. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night is Willow Nightingale versus Sky Blue. Again, I thought this was a good matchup. Back and forth matchup between Night Nightingale and Blue with Willow Nightingale keeping the pace of the match. Willow and Sky Blue both exchanged in the middle of the ring with Sky Blue hitting a powerbomb on Willow Nightingale for a near fall. Stokely Hathaway gets involved in the match by distracting the referee, which allowed Willow to hit a powerbomb uh, power on Sky Blue. Pins are for the three, and your winner of the match is Willow Nightingale. Hats off to Willow Nightingale for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is the main event of AEW's Dynamite. It is Orange Cassidy versus Matt Taven in a Texas death match. I thought this was a great match, man. Back and forth matchup between Cassidy and Taven with Taven keeping the pace of the match. Taven hits a blue thunder bomb on Orange Cassidy. Taven then hits an elbow drop on Cassidy off the stage onto a table. The table does not break. Taven then hits a springboard and Zaguri on Orange Cassidy. Taven then goes for a tope 
on Orange Cassidy, but missed and, th- and went through a table that was propped up against the announced table. It looked absolutely brutal. Orange Cassidy then pulls out tacks, thumbtacks from underneath the ring, puts them into the ring. Taven, Taven then throws Orange Cassidy onto the thumbtacks. Mike Bennett then gets involved in the match by attacking Orange Cassidy. Trent Beretta is here. Uh, Trent ends up attacking Bennett. Orange Cassidy then hits an orange punch on Taven as well as a beach break. Orange then hits another orange punch with a chain wrapped around his hand. And then Strong attacks Trent, which also allows Orange Cassidy to get the win in this matchup. Hats off to Orange Cassidy for getting the win in this matchup. couple things I want to talk about, man, uh, before I get out of here. Number one, let's talk, let's talk about what's been going on with the news with AEW and stuff like that and the big business uh, thing coming up in the next couple weeks for AEW. Uh, let's talk about AEW, man. There was a couple announcements, small announcements that, that were made by AEW and Tony Khan. Tony Khan had brought in Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero has been seen on AEW television, predominantly on Rampage and on Collision. He is now uh, with AEW in a backstage role. Um, AEW also had uh, mentioned that they brought back QT Marshall. QT Marshall was uh, gone from the company. He left the company. Uh I believe a couple months ago, and Tony Khan brought back QT Marshall, and he will have a backstage role as well. Um, to me, I think this is a great idea. Um, I, I, to me, I think this is something where you know Tony Khan needs to bring in a writing team and build a team around him. And another person I would also mention in bringing it in to AEW is Scott Demore. Scott Demore was fired from TNA and Anthem. He was let go from his TNA contract, and they are moving forward without Scott Demore. To me, I think Scott Demore would be a great addition to the AEW team. To be honest with you, I think Scott Demore, what he's did for TNA, uh, especially the TNA Knockouts division, and you know, especially working with the women roster on AEW, I think it'd be a great addition to bring in a guy like Scott Demore. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of TNA talent that were working under Scott Demore that because now he's gone, they probably don't want to stick around with TNA much longer. So, to me, it's a win-win for AEW and Tony Khan to bring in a guy like Scott Demore. Because he can also bring in other high-profile TNA talent like Moose, possibly Jordan Grace, Josh Alexander maybe. I mean, there's a lot of talent on, on TNA that were probably really close to uh, Scott Demore, especially Moose. That if Scott Demore showed up in AEW television, it could entice other TNA talent that were close to Scott Demore to come over to AEW possibly if Tony Khan picks up Scott Demore. So there is some news there with that. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is Collision. And I, I told you guys early in the podcast that I wanted to talk about Collision. Some of you guys might be upset or frustrated with the fact that maybe I don't cover Collision anymore. But there is a humongous reason behind that. When you look at Dynamite and Collision, man, and you and I've said this multiple times about Collision. AEW has a great roster as a whole. And it, honestly, it's a roster that is bloated. At the same time, there are names and people that we are not being seen showcased on television weekly. Uh, to me, Collision has taken a backseat. And they have taken a backseat to Dynamite for quite a while, ever since CM Punk had left and got fired. Well, didn't leave. He got fired and went on to WWE. Um, Collision took a humongous backseat. The show was literally built around CM Punk and what he was going to do over on Collision. And now that he was been now, you know, now that he's fired, Collision has taken a backseat. And I, you know, to me, I'm a big fan of Adam Copeland and what he's done in his career. But let's be real here. Adam Copeland cannot. You can't put that entire show on one person. You can't. And to me, I I think if I was Tony Khan, to make Collision at least halfway important, I would split the rosters. And I I mentioned this multiple times in the past, man. 
Uh, AEW's roster is so bloated right now that they could use a hard roster split and split the rosters between AEW, Dynamite, and Collision. And I think that's the... And not only that, the time slot is just awful. It's a Saturday night, 8 to 10, and you're not... I mean, as the consumer, as the fan, and when you're watching Collision, there's nothing really truly to sink your teeth into on, on Collision. In my honest opinion, man, there's not even a title that's being defended on Collision. So when you're watching Collision, there's nothing on Collision that those superstars can wrestle for. Nothing. There's no title. There's no... There's nothing. Like You're just throwing matches together just to throw matches together. It's like a glorified Rampage. And I'm not going on a tangent about Rampage because I think Rampage is just... Eight, yeah. Rampage ain't working. And hasn't worked in a long time. Um, Collision was, you know, predominantly supposed to be their second show. And right now it's just not that. You know, there's a lot of superstars on that show that weren't even being showcased. I mean, for a prime example, let's look at the House of Black. Yes, they've had a storyline with Mark Briscoe, and I get that. But let me ask you this question. When's the last time you see Malachi Black in a singles match in AEW? They've been with AEW now for, what, three years? I can't tell you the last time I see Malachi Black in a singles match. In my honest opinion. And I could be wrong, but I feel like it's been a very long time. There's just no storylines or, or built around Collision. And, and honestly, here's another thing, too. If Collision was that important, then why are the matches on Collision not being portrayed into a pay-per-view? Answer me that. And I think that's the reason why I don't cover Collision, man, because Collision is just not, it ain't there. It's just not. It's two hours every Saturday in a show that has no meaning. There's no importance to the show. There's, it's not anything you can sink your teeth into and be like, oh, I can get really invested in this or this storyline because the storyline doesn't go anywhere. It goes from maybe two or three episodes on Collision and then it phases out to nothing. We don't get it on a pay-per-view. You know, it, it just, it does not happen. Where, where the hell was Miro? And I mentioned this earlier. Once Andrade had left and went on to WWE and he was in that storyline with Miro and Lana, after Andrade left, what the hell happened to Lana and Miro? Miro has not done shit on Collision. I'm sorry. You know, he hasn't done anything. Here's the other thing, too. I've heard many times now that Pac has been backstage with AEW the past few tapings. Why is he not on television? Is he injured? I thought it was a visa issue. If it's a visa issue, then... Clearly, that's not the case anymore because he's on Dynamite Television. Why are we not putting him into a storyline? Why are we not putting him in the ring? There's a thought there. You know, that's that's the thing I'm talking about. AEW and Tony Khan need a creative team, and the creative right now is lacking with AEW. And I think, you know, especially when we're talking about QT Marshall, QT Marshall had originally left AEW because he said specifically that AEW was going more in the direction of his sports dynamic. They were going into a more... Uh, all Japan pro wrestling kind of deal where all Japan didn't really have storylines. It was just wrestler A versus wrestler B and the, make the best man win. And yeah, at one time that did work in all Japan pro wrestling, all Japan pro wrestling. I praised all Japan pro wrestling when the continental classic tournament was announced. I thought it was a great idea for AEW, And honestly, it was some of the best matches AEW put together for quite a while with that continental classic tournament. It was a great idea and it, it made AEW a must see television. Absolutely. But you can't you can't continuously keep doing that all Japan pro wrestling format because at the end of the day wrestling fans want storylines. They want to have something they can sink their teeth into and get invested in. And you can't uh, all Japan pro wrestling style is just not that. I mean, you can look at all Japan pro wrestling and then look at the adaptation of what all Japan pro wrestling was with pro wrestling Noah. When you had, you know, Masawa, you know, left all Japan pro wrestling and created pro wrestling Noah. It was, it's a great company. It still is a great company. And what, you know, Pro Wrestling Noah was doing. I'm a huge fan. 
But at the same time, there's no storylines being built around Pro Wrestling Noah, and there was definitely no storylines being around All Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, All Japan Pro Wrestling at the time was, you know, Misawa, Vader, Kawada, uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, those, you know, Stan Hansen, those kind of wrestlers that were over there, they were just going over there to compete. It was more of a sports dynamic than storyline being built around the matches. And I'm not saying they didn't put on banger matches. They did. But the fans over in the States might not be acceptable to what All Japan Pro Wrestling was doing then. And Tony Khan's trying to make that into what AEW is. And it just might not work. And storylines, because of it, storylines are lacking, in my honest opinion. And that's another reason why Collision, I don't cover Collision that much anymore because there's no storylines to be truly invested in. And that's just the bottom line of it, man. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. You know, and yeah, I don't cover Raw and SmackDown, but do I understand what's going on? You can't, I mean, as a wrestling fan, which we all are, you can't deny what WWE, Raw, and SmackDown are doing right now, especially when it pertains to The Rock, uh, Roman Reigns in the bloodline, Cody Rhodes finishing his story, and that all can come down in Philly for WrestleMania 40. I mean, who's not going to be invested in that, man? I mean, everybody knows who Cody Rhodes is, everybody knows who Roman is, and everybody should know who the hell The Rock is. So you're going to be invested no matter what. Whether you cover you know, Raw and SmackDown or not, or just a wrestling fan, you want to know what the hell is going to happen. And will Cody Rhodes dethrone Roman Reigns and finish his story? Who's not? I mean, that's one of the great storylines in WWE right now. You know, look at Gunther with the Intercontinental Championship, man. He's had, what, a 600-day reign or something like that? It's incredible. You know, you're not going to be, you're not going to not want to be invested in that. Drew McIntyre. What is Drew McIntyre going to do? Is he going to re-sign with WWE? Because according to Dave Meltzer from The Observer, he has put out multiple tweets stating that Drew McIntyre has not re-signed his contract with WWE and that he might venture out into free agency. You know what I mean? So again, something else to be invested in. What's going to happen with Drew McIntyre? Is he going to stay with WWE? Is he going to re-sign? Or is he going to venture out into free agency and possibly show up in a TNA maybe, New Japan, or possibly AEW? Right now, WWE, to me, honestly, is the better product right now to AEW, hands down. I, and that's not me being a cat, you know, a, a catalyst to a fan, you know, as a fan of wrestling and saying, oh, you know what, because AEW is not doing so good and creative, you know, I'm going to jump ship to WWE. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you guys is, is the fact that WWE's product right now as a whole, even storyline-based right now, is way better than what AEW is doing. But that's not me taking anything away from AEW. AEW has the roster. They have the roster. From both men and the women. And this, you know, and it also raises a lot of eyebrows too, man. You're bringing in, there's rumors of AEW bringing in Okada. Obviously, Osprey's coming in here soon. He's having a match with Takeshi at Revolution. So we probably see Osprey here next in the next two weeks on AEW television to hype up that match. Would not be surprised. Then you have this big event uh, in Boston at the TD Garden with Big Business. Obviously, the, the biggest topic with that is bringing in Mercedes Monet. You bring in Monet and Okada. Those are two big household names, especially, I mean, with both of them. But my thing is this, with AEW lacking storylines, where are you going to slot in Mercedes and where are you going to slot in Okada with no storyline? That's that's my biggest thing right now. And to be honest, I, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from TNA, but, at, you know, with the departure of Scott Demore, right now it is WWE and AEW. And, and it's sad, man. If you look at TNA... With what they were doing, you know, when Scott Demore brought back the TNA name, they were TNA was red hot. You know, they brought in Dolph Ziggler, they brought in, uh, I believe, even Top Dollar showed up for that one of the events. Uh, I think it was Hard to Kill. It was a great pay per view. 
you know, seeing Dolph there get in the face of Moose, you know, and, and beating down Moose and stuff like that, Moose becoming the new world champion, uh, and you've seen other names show up there in, in TNA, it, it was awesome. And then all of a sudden, it was like, gone. Scott DeMore's gone, and that's it. And honestly, for what I've heard, I think the only reason why the man got fired is because he was also interested in buying the company. And Anthem, that runs TNA and Access TV, they were like, no, see you later. And this was already premeditated. I'm assuming a month before he even got fired, they were already thinking about letting go Scott Demore. Why? You know, you even had you even had Jordan Grace, a TNA talent, at the Royal Rumble. And you let that man go. That got so much more eyeballs on the product of TNA after Jordan Grace showed up at the Rumble than probably anything else. I would say since Kenny Omega showed up on TNA with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, in my honest opinion. Everybody wanted to know what the hell was going on with TNA. And then with the addition of Dolph Ziggler and everything else, I mean, now Scott Demore is gone. It probably left a sour taste in a lot of the TNA talent's mouth right now. They probably don't know what they're going to do or if they're going to stay or go. Because of the allegiance that they have with Scott Demore. So TNA is not looking that good, man, which is a damn shame because TNA, to me, were firing on all cylinders with Scott Demore. And I was excited for the future for TNA. I really was. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen with them now that Scott Demore has gone. But, um, uh, speaking of Collision, man, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's just there's no storylines being around Collision. It, it, to me, it's a humongous waste of time. It, I mean, I'm not knocking the talent, but there's no importance around Collision. So much so that the matches usually on Collision don't actually get in, you know, they, they, don't, they don't go to pay-per-view. There's no, title being, there's no title shot on Collision. Period. So how can you be invested every Saturday night from 8 to 10 to watch a show that you don't know what the hell you're going to get? There's no titles on the, on that show to be invested in. There's no storylines that are being invested in leading into a pay-per-view. It just does not happen. That's why Collision's taking a backseat, and that's why I don't cover Collision right now. Now, am I, am I against covering Monday Night Raw or covering SmackDown? No. The reason why I cover AEW, because it was the alternative. And I was excited to see the roster that they were going to create and build, and I got invested. You know, I'm a big fan, but I'm also a huge fan of wrestling. I'm loving what Raw and SmackDown are doing right now and what the Bloodline's doing and what The Rock's doing. It's just I'm hoping AEW, you know, they pick up the pace, man, because as of right now, it's just not there. It's not. And I, I'm, I'm just being honest with you all, man. I, it's just not. You can't tell me honestly that everybody, you're super excited every Saturday night for Collision. Nah, man. <laughs> no way. You know, we're all here because we're wrestling fans, and I understand that, and I get that, and I acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, when the shit's bad, the shit is bad, man. I mean, and I'm not saying like AEW as a whole is bad. I'm not I'm not saying that at all. I, I think they have a great roster, and I think that they need to have a hard roster split. But there is absolutely no importance to the Collision show. There's not. I mean, for example, the Forbidden Door. They have that pay-per-view every year now. How much, like, how much are you going to be invested into the Forbidden Door this year, considering how much New Japan talent has come over into Orange, uh, into AEW. I mean, Orange Cassidy just had a match with uh, Ishii. Okay, that's awesome. You know, Brian Danielson just had a match recently with Yuji Nagata. Okay, awesome. You also had the rumors of Okada leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling, coming over and signing with AEW. So again, how much investment are you going to be into this year's Forbidden Door? Now, I mentioned this last week. If they're going to do a Forbidden Door, I would do it in the Tokyo Dome in Japan. Because at this point, you've had two Forbidden Doors in the States. 
and I would have one at the Tokyo Dome just to get more spotlight on the Forbidden Door pay-per-view because, <clears throat> to me, the Forbidden Door has lost its its aura around it. You know, originally when this was announced, it was, oh, shit, you know, we got AEW superstars versus New Japan. Now we're going to see dream matches. We're going to see Brian Danielson versus Okada. We're going to see John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. We're going to see all these names, you know, wrestle AEW talent. You know, even Will Ospreay at the time, we're going to see Ospreay versus Jericho. Osprey versus, you know, Brian Danielson. We're going to see all these dream matches now that the Forbidden Door has been, you know, kicked in. And now we're going to see AEW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. But it doesn't have any more importance to that pay-per-view because we're already seeing New Japan talent already on Collision or on Dynamite. You know, like I just mentioned, we just saw Orange Cassidy versus Ishii. We just saw Brian Danielson versus Yuji Nagata. Okay, those are great matches. Great matches. You know, but again, how much more importance is going to be knowing that all these guys have come over, had matches with Collision, and you also have one of your biggest superstars ever in New Japan possibly signing with AEW being Okada. So how much importance is it really going to be anymore for the Forbidden Door pay-per-view? To me, it's not going to have that much more importance, in my honest opinion. It's just, it might not happen. The pay-per-view will happen, but the importance factor of it might not be there anymore because it's kind of, it's, it's run dry, man. It, it's ran its course. You know, there's really no more excitement around the Forbidden Door pay-per-view because of, you know, the matches that we've had so far on Collision and Dynamite as you know, as of late. So, again, the hype around it might not be there anymore. That's my that's my main thing, and it's the same way I feel about Collision. There needs to be a hard roster split. If you want to save Collision, in my honest opinion, in my opinion, you need to have a hard roster split. The titles need to be separated from, a, uh, from Dynamite to Collision and get some more importance and storyline around Collision. That's that's how you save Collision. You know, for example, AEW Dynamite is on TBS. You have Collision on TNT. Let's showcase that TNT championship on the TNT network. There's there's an idea. You had the AEW World Champion right now with Samoa Joe. Joe can float back from Collision to Dynamite, defending that championship. Hands down. You can also have the International Championship float back from brand, you know, from Brand to brand. Why not? Same thing with the Continental Championship. AEW Women. I mean, you can float all these belts back and forth from each show and give it more importance and get a little more limelight on Collision. But AEW is not doing that. It's not. And I think that's the reason why Collision is lacking. And you guys can tell, man. I mean, if you watch Collision, you can tell after CM Punk got fired and let go that Collision was just going downhill. Fast. Really fast. And then they brought in Copeland, which was a big deal. Adam Copeland is a big deal and a great addition to AEW, but you cannot put that entire show on Copeland. And it was the same thing with CM Punk. Eventually, it was going to get stale with CM Punk. And the biggest thing with CM Punk was, to me, one of the greatest matches that we'll never see ever would have been Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus CM Punk and FTR, and they would have took place it all in. That match alone, AEW would have been printing their own money if that match would have happened. But it never happened because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega did, did not want to do business. Specifically, the Young Bucks did not want to do business with CM Punk. And it was a match that, you know, again, a glorified dream match. And we're, we're never going to get it. That match alone would have put AEW in a whole different echelon if that match would have took, took place. They could have had just that match and that's it and probably sold out Wembley. To be honest with you, I would not be surprised. It's a great match, man. It tells a hell of a story, especially after the first incident 
you know, I believe it was that All Out when they had the media scrum brawl, a brawl out and stuff. I mean, it, you would have gave that a year and built into All In. That, that you would have sold that match like hotcakes, man. And it's just never going to happen. We will never get that match ever. And it, and honestly, it's a shame, man. It really is. But it just goes to show you, like you know, once CM Punk left, Collision just went downhill. And it's just there's nobody there that could really save that show. Not even Adam Copeland. It's just it's not there. I truly believe at this point, AEW's creative is definitely lacking. In my honest opinion, it's not destroyed. It's not there. You know, obviously you have matches with, you know, triple threat match at Revolution, which is great. Tony Storm storyline with Barrazzo. I'm not saying that the creative is destroyed or storylines are completely not there. They need to be enhanced and it needs to be showcased more. You know, to me, honestly, this Tony Storm, Deanna Perrazzo storyline is probably the, the best storyline we got from the women in a long time. That makes sense. Because I can tell you right now that she did Tony Storm shit that happened. There was no storyline between both Sheeta and Tony Storm. When they had that sit-down interview, I believe it was with Renee, Sheeta looked like she was completely bored. Tony Storm was like, why the hell am I even here? There was no storyline between Sheeta and Tony Storm. Nothing. This is actually a storyline between best friends, being Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm, that are now going to fight each other and becoming bitter enemies and fighting for the AEW Women's World Championship. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But Tony Khan needs to continuously keep doing this. Especially if, if you're going to bring in a woman like Mercedes Monet. Monet, Monet wants creative decisions. She wants creative storylines. She wants to have a spotlight on the AEW Women's Locker Room. And this woman created the, the Women's Revolution for WWE. I'm hoping that when you bring a woman like this in into AEW, this reignites the AEW Women's Locker Room. And we get great matches. You know, everybody wants to see Monet versus Baker, Monet versus Tony Storm, Monet versus Chris Statlander, Monet versus Thunder Rosa, Jamie Hayter once she returns. There's a lot of great matches. And Serena Deeb. The women's roster that they have in AEW is stacked, but the reason why a lot of people don't pay attention to it is because there's no storylines being built around the women. Even Julia Hart, fantastic wrestler. And she's really coming into her own. But if you have no storyline, man, people are not going to be invested into the match. And that's the problem. AEW is lacking creative, immensely, and I think Tony Khan needs to have a writing team for both Dynamite and Collision. And if you have that, and you build storylines, more people are going to be invested in both Dynamite and Collision. But with that being said, this is my review of AEW's Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful, and remember, stay classic. Peace.